talks about money. And here's what we're going to see this morning. That there is this connection between our heart and how we view our money, how we spend our money, how we save our money, how we steward the finances of our life. There is this connection between our heart and money. And it's a big connection. It's one of the reasons why I believe Jesus teaches so much about money. In fact, he also gives a lot of warning about how we view and handle our money. There's just three quick verses. You guys have probably have heard these verses uh, before, but Ecclesiastes chapter five and verse 10, here's what it says. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. And then in Matthew chapter six and verse 24, this is Jesus who's speaking. He says, no one can serve two masters. You guys have heard this verse before. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root, is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so the question that John posed last week with our first week of more is how much is enough? How much stuff, how much money, like what, when do you get to the place you go, I've got more than I need, that's how much I need, that's enough, so how much is enough? And when I, when I was just last week listening to John just talk about that question, when I hear the question of how much is enough, really what I started thinking about is uh, rich people. Like, well, if you're rich, you have enough money, so that would be enough. And so when I'm rich and I have enough, and that's the answer to my question, and then the second question I started thinking about, well, who is rich? So if you're rich, you have more than what you need. There's an abundance, there's an overflow. But how much do you need to be, to be rich? And I've gone on this journey, just me and my wife and my family, we've gone on this journey over the last couple of years trying to figure out, really answering that question, how much is enough for us and, and how do we handle our money and what do we give to? I mean, we give to the church, we give our 10%, but what are other uh, things are we gonna support? What other things are we going to fund with the money that we make? And here's what I realized. I realize that I'm actually rich. You didn't know that, but I really am. Like I'm, I'm rich. And you wouldn't know I'm rich by the car I drive because it's not nearly the nicest car out there in the parking lot this morning. You wouldn't know that I'm rich by the restaurants that I eat at. I frequent Waffle House a lot. And even when I'm at Waffle House, I ask for the $5 menu because I'm rich. But I just realized over and over again, not based on our culture that we live in, but based on the, the world. If you look at the whole world, Matt Cody and the money that I make, I'm actually, I'm actually rich. I'm actually rich. And the temptation that I face and the temptation that you face is to show up at church every week and go about the other six days of your life and thinking that you're not. Because Jesus talks about rich people a lot. And he actually has a lot of strong language when it comes to rich people. And we're gonna dive in and mark here in just a few minutes. But I wanna give you just a few stats about our world today. In our world today, this morning, there's a billion people in our world who are gonna get up today and live on less than $1 for the whole day. One billion people, less than $1 a day. Then there's another additional two billion other people in our world who are gonna live on less than $2 a day. There's so half of the world, three plus billion people in our world today who are getting up, living on less than $2 a day, who are gonna be struggling to find food, water, and, and a place to live today. Half of our world's population, half. There'll be 26,000 children today who are gonna die because they don't have something to eat. Another between 30 and 40,000 people in the world who are gonna die because they don't have something as simple as clean drinking water. 
and thousands and thousands and thousands of more children who are going to die because they don't have something uh, that we take so for granted as something simple as just good health care. They're not getting the shots that they need or the medication they need. And so things that I could literally take my daughter to tomorrow to the doctor's office and, and get, they, they just can't get. So another 5, 10, 15, 20,000 kids are going to die because something as simple as preventative health care. And so I go back to the question and say, well, who is rich? Matt Cody, where does he end up with the six plus billion people in this world? And, and I went out, and, and, and this is the most simple uh, <clears throat> illustration that I can give. And there's a bunch of numbers. And, and the funny thing is there's been a bunch of studies by really, really smart people to figure out who is rich. And here's what a lot of studies have found out, that whoever you think is rich, they don't think they're rich. They did this study, so they, they would get with me and say, okay, Matt, who do you think is rich? And I'd be like, oh, well, if you got a million dollars, you're rich. And so then they would go to the millionaire, the, the guy who has $1 million, and they'd say, are you rich? No, I'm not rich. Well, who's rich? Dude who has $10 million. That guy is rich. And then they would go to God to the, that has $10 million, and it would just keep going up. In fact, there's a pretty well-known person who's, who's uh, in our culture on TV a lot, just a couple weeks ago was asked, are you rich? And this made $250 million this past year. Are you rich? And their response was, No. Not rich, there's a whole lot of people that have a lot more money than me, and they started naming off people. So the question is, well, who is rich? And here's the answer that I've come up with. That if you're sitting in here this morning, if you have access to running water, if you had a, a house or some type of shelter to sleep in last night, if you're wearing clothes this morning, I hope you are, if you've eaten food already today, and if you've taken some sort of transportation, rather a car or an airplane or helicopter, I don't know how you got here. But if you have experienced all those things this morning, then you're in the top 15% of the world's people for wealth. Isn't that crazy? The top 15%. Things that we don't really consider when we talk about rich people, yet if there was three plus billion people sitting in this auditorium this morning, they would be going crazy over you and me. That you spent more money just in gas to get here this morning than some people make in two days. Or three days, depending on where you fill up. Isn't that crazy? The top 15% of the world's wealth, all they're doing is eating, sleeping, and driving, and not being naked. And so if you take the viewpoint that God has as he looks over the creation of this earth and all the people that is in it, and his love for them, I think I think that when we get into God's word here in just a second, I think when Jesus uses the term rich man or rich people, I think he's talking about us. And the temptation that we're gonna have to fight that maybe within our culture, we don't view ourselves as rich, but there's three plus billion people who do view you as rich. And I think the warnings that Jesus gives in his word are warnings that we need to take. And so we can't be deceived and be in here and go, Matt, I'm not rich. To the world standards, we are very, very rich. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10. That's where we're going to be. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Jesus is having an interaction uh, with a guy who's just kind of been, been labeled a rich guy. We don't know how much money he has in his bank account. But we're going to assume he has more than what he needs. And so this guy comes running up to Jesus. And verse 17 is where we start. Here's what it says. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. And he says, good teacher. And notice what he labels him, a good teacher. He's not his Lord or his master. He's just a good teacher. That's important. So good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. 
What do I have to do to live eternity with, with God? Verse 18, why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Verse 20, teacher. So he lost the good. Just teacher. He declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. I've been doing those things, Jesus. Then verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. That's what John talked about last week. Then come, follow me. Now, I love what Jesus does here, that before he gives the rich man some instruction, it says that uh, in, the, in verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And loved him. I don't think that the rich guy, when he's coming up to Jesus and, and saying, hey, what do I have to do? I think the farthest thing from his mind is what Jesus is going to ask him to do. Because if he did, the rich guy wouldn't have showed up anyways. So the rich guy goes up and the, and the mouth says, Jesus loves him. And then whatever advice or, or instruction comes on the back of that, it means that that's what Jesus believes is the best thing for the rich man. It wasn't like Jesus said, okay, what can I do to ruin this guy's life so he can only be dependent on me? Jesus literally shows compassion and love for this guy before he gives him any advice. He goes, this is what I think the best thing for you would be, rich guy. I mean, we do all this all the time in parenting, don't we? Like we give our children instruction and they don't understand the instruction of why we're giving them, but we do it out of love. Don't put your finger in the socket because you're gonna get fried. Don't do that. I don't wanna see you get fried. I know it looks fun. I know, you, I know it's curious of what is in there. Don't worry about it. The best thing for you would be to let me put this little you know, safety cap in there and just forget about it. Hey, you've had enough McDonald's french fries. I know you want more. But then you're gonna wake up at 1 a.m. and throw up everywhere. So no, we're gonna limit how much french fries you intake. And in the moment, our kids, they, they freak out like, nah, no. I, I, and it's like, listen, listen, I love you. I love you. And before Jesus gives any response to this rich guy, he just goes, I love you. <laughs> and, what I'm, and Jesus knows what I'm about to tell you is going to sting a little bit. And so here's my bottom line for today. Here's the truth that we're gonna get into. This is what I believe that we need to wrestle with. I think Jesus loves rich people enough to tell them the truth. I think Jesus loves you and me enough today that as we keep going here in a couple verses that we're gonna see that Jesus really loves us and the advice that he's going to give to us, the instruction that is there for us is difficult to receive, but it's truth. And we may not understand it in the moment, but there's a reason why he's saying it. And the reason is because he loves us. There's a war, there's this battle going on for, for our heart. And so here's just two things I wanna clear up real quick before we go any further. Here's two things that, that I think we need to just be mindful of. I, I'm not getting on stage this morning and, and saying, so hear me, I'm not preaching a gospel of poverty. I'm not saying leave this place today and sell everything that you have. I'm not saying that. And I don't think this is a, a universalism uh, a teaching either. So I don't get that from this passage. I think this is unique for this guy who is rich. And so I'm not saying, well, every rich person should sell everything that they, that they have. I'm not saying that. At the same time, I'm not saying that Jesus may or may not show up in your life and tell you to sell everything because that's exactly what he did with this rich guy. And so he might show up and he might say to you, sell everything. 
He might show up in your life and tell you to sell your car or your house. He might. He might. And so what we see from this rich guy is, is that this rich guy doesn't have a money problem. He's got a heart problem. It's not a money problem. He, he has more than what he needs, but it's not at the end a money problem. It's a heart problem. And his connection with his money is causing uh, uh, attention with how he's trying to pursue after Jesus. And so when he shows up and says to Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus knows that this guy is going to have to get rid of all his money, all of his money to truly follow after him. And that may be true for you this morning. That, that your hold and your grasp on, on your money is causing you to not pursue after Jesus as he would like for you. And so he may say to you, time to get rid of some of your money. And so how do you know if you have a heart problem? That's really the question. Well, Matt, I make, I make this amount of money. I don't have a heart problem. I don't have a heart problem. The way that I view your money and so here, here's how I think if you, if you have a heart problem, I found this quote this week, I love this quote, that when I just said to you, hey, Jesus may not ask, you know, I'm not saying that you have to sell all your things, he may just show up. If you took a deep breath, like, whew, that's good, then you probably have a heart problem. And I saw this quote this week, I love this quote, that Jesus did not uh, command all his followers to sell all their possessions, gives comfort only to the kind of people to whom he would issue the command. The fact that you take a deep breath and go, whoo, I hope, I hope it's really unlikely that Jesus would show up and ask me to sell everything. You would be the very person Jesus would command that to. That's a little bit of an indicator that there is an unhealthy tie between you and your money. It's not a money problem, it's a heart problem. And so if God was here today, if Jesus is sitting you know, right in front of you and you said, hey, I want you to give up 20 bucks today. Would you do it? Would you do it? Or if Jesus shows up and says, okay, I want you to sell half of what you have. Would you do it? Or if Jesus showed up and said, hey, I want you to sell everything, everything that you have. Would you do it? Look at this guy's response, verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. Anyway, sad because he had great wealth. He had more than what he needed, and so he walks away sad. Why? Because that doesn't make any sense to sell everything that you have. There's not one financial planner in the room today that goes, that's a good financial plan. You want to set yourself up for 60 years? Sell everything you got. See how that goes. Doesn't make sense to the rich guy. But what does that do if I sell everything that I have? And so he's sad, and he walks away. Look at verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, look at this. How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? We're talking about eternity. This guy shows up. He's, we're talking about eternity. Jesus, what do I have to do with, to live with you forever? You got to sell everything you have and come follow me. You got a heart problem. And the guy steps away, walks away from eternity. And you can see this picture. Jesus is hanging out with his buddies. And he just kind of looks around and goes, how hard is it for rich people? Look at this guy. He just walked away. For eternity, he just walked away because he wasn't willing to give up his wealth, earthly wealth, dollar bills. He wasn't willing to give it away for eternity. And Jesus looking around going, can you believe this guy? How hard is it? Man, this week, as I've been going through these verses, that's that verse that sticks out to me and goes, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And I go, I'm rich. I have way more than what I need. 
I know that. I have a surplus in my banking account. I have a retirement fund that's being funded. I know I have more than what I need. And so when I read that verse, I go, Jesus is talking about me. He's with his, his disciples who have given up a lot. He's looking around and going, how hard is it for these guys? These guys who have more. These guys are, you know, above the three billion who are living off of way more than $2 a day. How hard is it for these guys? How hard is it for them to depend on me because they've got so much money? How hard is it for them when I, when I get into their heart and into their lives and I say, hey, I want you to do something different with your money. I want you to view your money differently. How hard is it for them to listen to me? Pretty hard because we have people who are walking away from eternity. Verse 24, the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It just keeps getting more and more difficult. Verse 25, Jesus says, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Good news for you and me. I mean, Jesus keeps laying it here. Man, it's so difficult for people who are rich to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 26, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then verse 28, Peter spoke up. Surprise. We have left everything to follow you. And look what Jesus says here, verse 29. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And so here's the tension I want us to wrestle with today, that I think you and I, we are rich. And I think we have more than what we need. Maybe not in the context of our culture, because we see others who have a lot more than us. But I think as God looks down on our earth, I think we are blessed people. And I think one of the greatest strategies of the evil one would be as he shows up in our lives and goes, you don't have enough. You need more. You need more. You need more. You need a better car. You need a better car. You need a bigger house. You need a better job. I think there's just something inside of us that keeps wanting more and more and more. And the question is, how much is enough? Where's when does that end? When do we spend more time thinking about the three plus billion people in this world than the next car we're going to buy? And here's what I've realized in my life. I just don't talk about it enough. I don't think about those who have less than me. I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about what I want, about the changes I wanna make in my life, the, the next car I wanna drive, the next place I wanna live, the next financial goal I wanna hit. I spend an extremely a, a lot amount of time thinking about those things. And just because we don't see it, just because we don't actually see in the United States the 20 plus thousand children that are gonna die today because they don't have food, doesn't mean it's not happening. It is happening. Can you imagine if that was going on in the United States? We'd be freaking out. If we just had, a, you know, 100 kids die in the United States today because they didn't have something as simple as food, there'd be, you know, like a TV program with people texting in to give money to make sure it was getting done. Yet it's going on in our world. And I've just got to think as a follower of Jesus, as he's looking down on us, I've just got to think, he's got to be saying, man, you've got more than what you need. Matt, you've got way more than what you need. 
It's time to bankroll differently. It's time to view your money differently. You have the opportunity to invest in in eternal matters, Matt. Eternal matters. Matt, there's people around this world who are dying because they don't have food. Do you care about that? And there's something inside of me, this humanness that goes, go ask the person who has more money than me. I'm just barely making it. I got four kids, God. But Matt, do you have more than what you need? Yes. I think we're rich. I think we're rich. And I think we've got to have some honest conversations with our bank account and the money that we have and go, just because we have more than what we need doesn't mean we just have to go out and blow it. I think there's a greater responsibility. And if, I'm, and, and if we're just being honest in God's word this morning, Jesus would say to you, there's a greater temptation that you fight than the three billion people in this world who make less than $2 a day. They may, they may be better off spiritually than you are because their dependence on God is so great. Can you imagine waking up today and only having a dollar? If I woke up today and I only had a dollar and I've got to feed my kids, I have to close my kids and I've got to get my kids to and from. My dependence on God would be amazing. I wouldn't be here this morning. I'd be trying to find a ride from somebody. I'd be walking here. I would have got up at 1 a.m. walking out here. It would change the way I view my life. My dependency on God would be extremely high. And Jesus says to rich people, listen, listen, listen. It's gonna be difficult for you. It's gonna be difficult for you. You gotta view your money differently. So, Last year in my small group, we were going through this study, and I, I encourage you, uh, if you have never read the book by David Platt called Radical, there's a, a chapter in his book that deals with this idea of how much is enough. And our small group was working through it, and I said to my small group, hey, let's just do something fun. Let's figure out how much more we actually have than what we need. Because I, I think we all have more, you know, we, let's just wrestle with that. And so open and honest conversation, it's like, yeah, I, we agree. We have more than what we need. Okay, let's look at our finances for a month and let's, let's look at what we, what we need, what we spend on our, our money on what we need, and let's look at what we spend our money on what we just kind of want. And let's just take a month and figure out what, are the, what is the, 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 the number of what we need to make every month to sustain life. And that's a hard question. And I just sent them out and said, go, go figure it out. And then compare that to the money that you have come in and whatever the difference is, that is your abundance. And then we'll, we'll figure this out. And so I, this, my small group goes out and they go through this. And I had people call me up just crying. Like, Matt, I don't want to do this. It's too difficult. I said, well, it's not difficult. Just figure it out. Do you need it or, or you, do you just want it? Figure out what are your needs and what are your wants? What's the number you have to have to live in this world? And then you go, well, what about cable? That's a good question. I don't know. Fig- just go figure it out. What about all my, you know, this and all this? Just go figure it out. I, I can't tell you. There, there's nothing here that says, yes, sell. It, it doesn't say that. You just have to go figure it out. Have an open and honest conversation with God and see what he says. What is your number? Answer the question, how much is enough? Figure it out. And so we get back in the room a little bit later and, you know, there's gnashing of teeth. So difficult. I get back in the room, I go, do you guys have your numbers? Yeah. You know what it costs you to live. Yeah, okay, good. Here's what I want you to do. Based upon what you make, and, and obviously you know how much money you, know, you make more than what that number is, I want us to show up next week, and I just want you to take one week's worth of your abundance. So you have your monthly number divided by four. I want you to show up next week. Let's put it in a coffee pot, and let's bankroll our serving. 
I don't know any needs right now of what we're going to do. I, I just want us to take a, a week's worth of abundance and put it in here and just view the way that we serve differently. We have more than what we need. And because of that, we're going to take just a week's worth, five couples in the room, just a week's worth, put it into the coffee pot. And I was kind of freaking out as a group leader. I'm like, what if no one gives any money? This is going to be horrible. What if it's just like 50 bucks? How depressing. This group's never going to recover. What, what if they just don't get in a, just pray through, just show up. So we show up the next week and we put the coffee pot in another room and it's just one couple at a time goes in, puts some money in, prays and walks out. I said, the end of it, we'll count it up and whatever it is, we'll be happy. We'll be happy. And let's start praying for how we're going to use this money. Just a week's worth. So everybody goes in, we put our money in, we come back out and, and our group got just a little bit over $900 and then someone said, we need to make it 1000 So we, we put a little bit more money in. So $1,000. For five couples, one week's worth of abundance. And we just put it in there and left it in there and said, God, just make it really clear, clear how we're supposed to use this money. And opportunity just appeared eventually after that. We had a couple who was attending Brentwood Church who was going through some, uh, a lot of uh, just relational issues. New, newlywed couple. And wouldn't you know, the big problem was money. And I was able to meet with them over a couple of times. They were a month and a half behind rent. And, and so a couple months later, I showed up to my small group. And I said, hey, this is what we should do. We should just pay for their rent and all their late fees. 700 plus dollars. We should just pay for it. And my group was like, do it. <laughs> do it. Let's just do it. And I'm telling you, one of the most amazing moments when you walk up to people and go, I just want to pay for your rent. And by the way, here's late fees. People about pass out. Where'd you get this money? It's not all my money. Listen, there's just some couples at Brentwood Church who realize they have more money than what they need and we've been saving money for this very moment and so we want to give it to you. So go ahead and go, go pay your rent. Go pay your rent. Or there's a missionary from Romania who shows up and is, and is talking about her orphanage and how there's 30 plus babies in a room that nobody's picked up in a year. Can you imagine that? Babies who have learned to stop crying because nobody's gonna come and pick them up anyways. And we invite her into our group and we start listening to her and it's like, we've got to help her out. Here's some money. We have more than what we need. We have more than what we need. We have to start viewing our money differently. See, it's an opportunity to steward it in such a way to invest in eternal matters. It's to move the kingdom forward. A couple years ago, there's this show called uh, The Big Give. If you guys, you remember this show? It wasn't on for it. No one's sh- shaking their head. Okay, so The Big Give, uh, it was put on by Oprah. And you guys have heard of Oprah? Okay, good. So she's not on TV anymore. But okay, so you had Oprah and, and she had this show called The Big Give where she had contestants and she would give them money. And the challenge was you had whoever gave it away the most creatively or the most impactful, that person would win that, that show, The Big Give. And so at the time I was uh, overseeing our student ministry. So I said to our students, let's do The Big Give with our students. Just everyone shows up, brings all their money and I'll match them. So I, I had $1,000 in cash the night. And I said, I'll match you personally up to $50 and you just bring your money and we're gonna put it all in a pot. And so we had uh, our students show up one night and they, they totally wiped me out of my $1,000 and ended up with like two, $3,000, maybe a little bit more than that, all in this pot, 20 kids, some leaders and some parents. And, and then I said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna take your money. And I, and I said to them, just go get people's money. Just beg for money, bring it. Just don't do anything illegal. So no drugs or anything like that. But everything else is legal. Everything else is legal. Go hit up your grandma and, and whoever. Just do the pitch, money pitch. Show up here. And then you're going to split up into four teams. You're going to go out into Lynchburg. And there's, and there's only two rules. One, the money has to be used to serve somebody. And you can't bring back any money with you. No money when you get back. 
and you've only got two hours to complete the mission. And so these groups are like freaking out, right? They're rolling out bankrolled with like a thousand bucks, right? Put a thousand dollars in the middle school hands, right? So they, they go out uh, with great accountability with parents in the room. Okay, so they go out, they go out into Lynchburg and there's just one story, I'll never forget this story. There's just one group who uh, they kind of did the normal thing for a little bit. Like they went to Sheets and were paying people's gas, you know, stand the gas. Or they were staying at Walmart, you know, paying people's groceries. And then they said, you know what? Let's go up to the baby ward up at Virginia Baptist. Let's go buy a bunch of baby stuff. Diapers, formula, clothes. Stores. Let's just buy a bunch of, of stuff. Go up to Virginia Baptist baby ward and ask, ask them if, there was, if there's someone in there who hasn't had any visitors. Single mom, maybe, who's just all by herself. So they go to Walmart, they get like a cart full of baby stuff, like just unreal amount of baby stuff. And like, they just cleared out the baby section. They go and they pay like a couple hundred dollars worth of, of baby gear. They go up to Virginia Baptist and, and they go up into the baby ward and they let them in. Can you believe that? So they let them in into, into, the, uh, into the baby ward. It's a very safe place. So they, they go in there, they go to the head nurse's station. If you've been here, they have, you know, like where all the nurses kind of gather. And I said, listen, could you point us in the direction of a mom here who, who, who's just had, you know, given birth? and hasn't had many visitors. And the nurses go, yeah, there's, there's a mom down here, not one visitor, all by herself. And so there was like, well, can we get permission to go down there and talk to her? And the nurse says, hold on one sec. So nurse goes down, goes into the room and says, you know, I, I would have liked to have been there for that conversation. Hey, there's some middle schoolers and some people, they don't know you, but I think you'd wanna talk to them. So she agrees, like, Sure. So the kids go down, they go into this room. And I mean, it, I, I wish I was there. Essentially, it was 40 minutes of just crying and laughing and saying, we are here because we have more than what we need. Here's some stuff. And you apparently need, need some stuff because you haven't had one visitor. Cheryl Bryan was the leader. Uh, she used to go to Brentwood. She's down uh, in Georgia now. They moved down to Georgia, but she was in there, prayed for this mom. Uh, you know, they're just crying and weeping together. They walk out. Now, listen, here's the thing. I, we've, I don't think we've ever talked to that mom again. I don't think we need to. I think in that moment, there's just a group of people who realize, hey, we have more than what we need. These are middle schoolers who get this idea. Let's go give it away. And I'm guessing that if we would sat down, sit down with that mom today, she would tell that story still. I think she would tell that story. The way that we view and we handle our finances, like John said last week, affects us now. And I think we've got to be open and honest and go, how much is enough for us? And it's a hard question. It's not an easy question, but it's a question I think you and I need to answer and we can't look around and go, well, that person has that and that person has that. We just have to look at us and go, I'm rich. You need to wrestle with that today. If you're walking out of this building and going, that dude is crazy, I'm not rich, then you need to spend some time with God this week. You need to go do some research and look how people are living in this world. I think we're rich. And I think we need to take heed to Jesus's warnings and go, listen, you gotta be careful. And if Jesus would show up in your life and my life today and say, Matt, you got more than what you need. And it's affecting the way that you're pursuing after me. Go sell it all and come follow after me. If, we, if there's just a hint of uneasiness with that, if there's a hint of this is my money, I have earned this, you can't have it. If there's just a hint of that, we have a hard problem. That we constantly need to be open and aware to Jesus' leading in our life when it comes to money. That he does ask us and commands us to give us a tenth of what we make, but let's not be silly and think that the other 90% isn't still his. It still is. 
And he's our financial planner. And at any moment, he can show up and go, it's time to give to this. It's time to do this. It's time to be mindful of the billion kids and, and families in this world who live on less than a dollar a day. It's time to be mindful of that, Matt. And you wrestle with that tension of having four kids with yourself and all of them are gonna have food today. You wrestle with that. So here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna call the band back up. We're gonna sing a song. It's Thanksgiving is coming up in a few days. I want us to end with a song that talks about blessings because I think our posture as followers of Jesus, at least in the United States, is God, thank you so much for the abundance in our life. We have way more than what we need. And we need to be mindful of that. And I know you will this week. You're mindful of giving thanks for everything that we have. But with that, there's a backstory where I think we need to hear Jesus going, be careful because you do have more than what you need. That today we are rich and we need to be thankful for the abundance. Yet there is great responsibility about how we steward our abundance. That we have to be people that are willing to give, that are willing to serve and sacrifice for those who have far less than us. Much, much, much less than us. And just because we don't technically live beside them doesn't mean that we can ignore them. And so this week, I want you to wrestle with what Jesus is calling you to do with your resources as you follow after him. Ask him as a rich person. Go, God, I wanna follow after you greater and see what he says. It may be a little, it may be a lot, but ask him. How do you want me to use my money? So if you would, just stand with me. I'm gonna pray for us. And during this song, thank God for the blessings and at the same time, ask him to view your heart, challenge it, and wrestle. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We're mindful today that we have so much. We have so much. The fact that we have clothes to wear, food to eat, water to drink today just by the world's standards makes us rich and so father would you challenge us challenge us to view our money in such a way that isn't a hindrance to us as we pursue a relationship after you I know the temptations it's so easy as soon as we walk out of this building we just see things that we want God, what a shame for us to go through this life, to interact with you in such a way in the top 15% of the world's wealth. And we keep asking for more. I think your, your teaching to us is to say, go look at the other 85%. I think you're clear in your word that when you say, I didn't come for, to be served, but to serve. And so as we go about our days this week, as we get together with our family and eat way more food than we should be eating, as we get in the houses that are probably larger than what do we need to be living in, let us do it with a heart that is mindful and obedient to your direction. That as a people who have abundance realize you can show up at any moment and any time and ask us to do whatever you would like us to do. Because we are people of eternal matters. we believe we need to serve those who have far less than us. So help us wrestle with that this week. To live in the joy and the excitement of the abundance that you have blessed us with and at the same time not let it be a distraction as we follow after you. 
And so speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to us. Ask us to do some amazing and bold things. We love you. And it's your name that we pray.